Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. And we're back with another episode of Mixed Company. I am Simeon. I'm Karina. And I'm Kai. And we're back to say more crazy things. Lots of crazy things. We're on episode smart three. Things. Actually, actually, the feedback was that we were saying smart things the last time, so I'm, I'm all for it. We said all types of things, so that part was great. <laughs> we're happy to be back. Episode right. three. Yes. We made it again. We no one tried to kick us. No one tried to kick our podcast off yet. So this is good. This means that we're saying stuff that's valuable. It means that we're saying stuff that people are interested in. So I'm here for it. We are here for it. And we are ready. Yes. Also, we still have jobs. And I still have a job. Isn't that amazing? Oh, no. Lord. I mean, I don't think there's anything you can't. I mean, you can't break honesty, right? Right. right. Just that's joking. what we're built on. We're yeah. built on honesty. Not here Damn. to defame anyone. This is episode three. This is episode three. We should start counting up just so we feel more accomplished every time. Every time. I like that. Absolutely. And I have a cold, so excuse my voice. It's okay. <laughs> I just want everybody to know he doesn't have on a mask. There's no oh. sanitizing, sanitizing well, lotion or whatever in here. Well, so we are all going to be sick in the next few weeks. So yeah. thanks, well, it's, it's, it's all for good. It's, it's all for good reason mommy. because I did run 13 Point one miles on Saturday yes. in two point wait in two hours and nine minutes. What was so. the, right? The Brooklyn half was this weekend. So for okay. any of you that actually uh, live in the New York City area or specifically in Brooklyn, you may have noticed there um, were a whole bunch of real <laughs> and <laughs> pretend real what athletes. Were we? What were we? <laughs> running, <laughs> running all around Brooklyn, and I guess you guys, it all culminated <laughs> at Coney Island, right? Yeah. That's dope. Do so congratulations to all the runners. Congratulations, I, I guess, to everybody that um, was able to support their their charities, their 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 people, their folks, yeah. or whatever. It was great to see all of that camaraderie out there. It was dope. Definitely. To fitness, because you wouldn't find me out there. <laughs> no way. I'm not a runner. Yeah, and off and off of the just kind of shooting back to give you guys a thanks because you guys were definitely listening the last time and you were giving your feedback and we definitely appreciate it because that's how we will continue to make this better and make sure that we're saying the things that resonate with all of you guys and um bubble their way up to the top yeah thanks for the early bird comments so for those of you that are our first day listeners our day ones y'all rock so we can go ahead and get into the first comment our first comment comes from lola hey lola lola says mixed company is a breath of fresh air although they talk mostly about the advertising industry the importance and in parentheses she has and lack of diversity is common amongst all industries it's good to know that even though we may feel alone in our respective industries other people of color are trying to navigate the same type of work climate thank you to the hosts for not only talking about this subject but providing helpful action steps to make their industry a better place to work i hope others follow suit yay thank yeah, you lola that's, that's the whole point right we can't yes. just sit here and complain about stuff we don't like 
offer a solution, take a step forward, make some progress. That's what and we're al- about. Yes. And also, just off the strength of the fact that advertising is one of those industries that's a trendsetter. So if other industries are feeling these gripes and these issues, um, you know, if we can get it right, then we can probably stir some change with other industries as well. True. Um, Our next comment's from Ava. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. The episode was super insightful, and obviously some of these agencies think diversity and inclusion is a joke if they'll delegate it to everyone with no clear definition. Strategy and accountability plan in place. I look forward to when y'all start having some of these higher-ups on the show to truly question them about their commitment and practices. Thanks for keeping the conversation going. Thanks, right. Ava. You yeah. know, we that are intending so. having guests later down the soon line. Soon come, soon come, soon come. <laughs> yes. Actually, when you say soon come, that means it's not coming for a while. That's not true. That's not true. Depending <laughs> on your what, what kind of lifestyle <laughs> did you live growing that's, up? That's, Around the corner could be soon coming is weird. hour. No, soon, West Indian, it just means weird. No, no, soon come. It's not coming wrong. anytime soon. Anyway, so now it's time for our That's Dope segment where we talk about some awesome stuff that's been going on in the industry, some awesome work um, that we see that looks dope to us. All right? So I'll start because I found another. I have a. I, I love all the pro bono work out there. And if you haven't heard our last episode, I talked about Ogilvy, um, Bangkok, and what they did for PETA. Today, I'm talking about Gray Canada and the Salvation Army. So, um, in Canada, they are. They wanted to promote. Well, the name of the campaign. I'll start from there. Is called Poverty Isn't Always Easy to See. And basically, they rented a house, and they did an open house. It was they passed out flyers when it would be open, and then when the open house started, you walk into the house, and you see it's not fully decorated, not fully furnished, and in every spot of the room, there's a statistic about people in poverty. It, even though people have a roof over their head, they may be still in poverty. So if you, when I, one example is when they went in the kitchen and um, you see a cereal box and on the cereal box it says one in seven children go to school hungry. And just little things as you go through the room that, you know, poverty, you don't, it doesn't look like someone who's on the street but poverty is a whole spectrum of things. So even if you have a roof on your head, you, you, should, you could be struggling out there. So you know the Salvation Army is just pushing out there. They want to empower people. And even though you don't see it, it's still in our neighborhood. So you should definitely check it out. It's on YouTube. Um, just YouTube open house. Poverty isn't always easy to see. And it should be the first video you see. Awesome. That's amazing. I think that kind of circles back to the um, article we spoke about last week with advertising with the purpose. And I have a very soft spot in my heart for children and uh, issues of poverty. So that's awesome to hear that that's going on. Yeah, I love seeing work like this because, you know, we're always... Um, kind of, we always want to know what the budget is. We we feel like we can't be creative unless there's a big budget. And just to see pro bono work sometimes gives you the room to be as creative as you possibly can. And these groups, they especially need our help because they don't always have a big budget, but they have a big heart. So, you know, that's using our work for good. Cool. That's dope. Um, I'll go next. 
um, my dope shit of the week is non non advertising related again. <laughs> um, again. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not really. Nothing's really been catching me lately. But um, my dope shit this week is Chance the Rapper's uh, coloring book album. Um, Mixtape is dope. Yeah, I mean it's dope, and it was one of the it was one of the albums that I was listening to as I was running 13 miles because I needed some motivation. Um, but the reason why it's dope is because he's an independent artist, and um, I think he's well he did make history because he's the first like streaming only album to debut in the top um, 10 on the Billboard 200 chart, which is dope. And, that is you know, amazing. I mean, yeah. yeah. Cause like I, I think one of the things for me that I've been paying attention to is uh, the excuses. And I always tie it back to something like that, but the excuses that a lot of um, that we hear a lot of times when it comes to you know diverse talent in the business is that we don't know where to look or we don't know how to identify them. And when you see people like Chance, even though he's a rapper, this idea of people who are like taking their creativity into their own hands, like they're all over the internet and. I guess he he's just another example of what happens when you're just like, you know, I don't really need the establishment. I can I have the tools, I'm going to do it and he did it and it's been working for him. So, you know, that's, that's my dope shit of the week. That's dope. I feel like now um we're in an age where content you can be a content creator. You don't have to go through a specific channel just to get your work out there. So that's yeah. really cool. Definitely. I remember, I know Chance has been around for a minute on the mixtape scene, and he's definitely, um, he's so Chicago, and it's so dope to kind of hear his progression as an artist. I know for me, for the past week or so, um, Juke Jam and All Night have been on repeat for me. I don't know if anybody knows anything about Chicago music. I only learned about it, like, when I got to college, but it goes so hard. Yeah. It goes so, so hard, and, like, the whole house music uh beat that he had in all night like it's dope it's it's it literally is dope like if Word. if nothing else if you want to go ahead and put an advertising twist on this it keeps a lot of us awake at our desks um <laughs> throughout the week so shout out to chance Word. chance the rapper I need it's like a pimp it. named slip slick back from boondocks you have to say the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> it's true it is true <laughs> And if anybody can figure out if my cousin Nicole is actually his cousin named Nicole or an artist, please let me <laughs> oh know. My because God. I keep forgetting to look at it, but I think that's hilarious. Who else is on the album? My cousin. True. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, sticking to... <laughs> it's my turn. So sticking to the music family and kind of looping it back around to, to touching on media and communications and being in the industry... My dope-ish, dope stuff, dope thing for this week is the Angie Martinez autobiography, uh, My Voice. <laughs> Literally, it's probably just my favorite thing, period, right now. Um, I grew up really indulging in the, in the music industry and wanting to be a part of it. And like a lot of people that got into communications as a whole, Angie that, you know, maybe lived on the East Coast, specifically in New York City, or was able to pick up the frequency on their radio mm -hmm. as far south, I guess, as Philly, 
like I was able to do every now and again. Angie Martinez was it. And essentially she chronicles her career from starting out as a hungry intern mm-hmm. to getting her first, you know, her first taste of the radio business, the media business, you know, working 4 a.m. time slots. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. There's probably nothing I would do at this point in my life at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so just the kind of drive that she talks about. And she does go ahead and she t- and she calls, you know, young people lazy. And I like to not consider myself one of those, but I'm not getting up to do anything at 4 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. People. I'm not. <laughs> Um, but she definitely, you know, she talks about it from a business perspective. She talks about it from cultural re- relevance beyond just, you know, being the voice of hip hop, the voice of New York, to actually, you know, her relationships with artists within the hip hop industry, her, um, you know, just being at, in the right time at the right, at the, in the right place at the right time, just watching hip hop grow to what it means to grow into a journalist and what it means to establish relationships and what it means to switch careers. So regardless of if you know Angie Martinez as just a radio personality, an artist, as she had her brief stint, for those of you suavemente, coast to coast was my what? My shit. Um, but it, I think she gives some great tips. And just the stories are amazing. Yeah. If you're if you're a hip-hop head like me or if you're just really into the culture, it's definitely a good book. And it's a quick read. Probably yes. haven't read anything this fast since Coldest Winter ever. Well, you know what? So. You know what, you know what the, the cool I'm, thing about that book is, and this is what I picked up from it, and it was toward the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I could always like tie things back to advertising, but... The thing that I noticed was, all right, so let me say this first. When it comes to advertising, I think a lot of the times now, like we hear a lot of conversations about, um, I guess, like high school outreach and reaching out to mm-hmm. young kids. And I feel like the best way that you can inspire young kids to get into any field mm-hmm. is to actually show them someone who's doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think, or actually what, what I took from the book was her mother was in radio. And so that was the first, her first interaction with the radio, whether or not she knew it, she was being inspired and she was being influenced to get into the business. Because if her mother wasn't in radio, like there's no telling where she would have gone. So I think that was like a very important part to the book was that, you know, her mother was in radio and she was, she was around these people who were doing it. So she was inspired to do it. And because she was around those people, she was given little opportunities that were, that grew into bigger opportunities. I'll even go yeah. further to say that it goes be it goes beyond that. Cause I actually had a friend um, whose father was a general manager of the uh, at some point of the two major hip hop stations in Philly. Oh wow. And and she actually did not go that route. So it's more than just about being around the people, but somebody giving you an opportunity. Yeah. And she makes frequent sorry, I was I felt like I was slurring frequent um points about how somebody had to give her the opportunity mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. because there she she makes this statement where like there often there was often times when her career could have ended mm-hmm. before it was even getting started wow and it it has a lot to do with you know we all make mistakes we all make poor decisions every now and again we all do some really dumb 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 stuff but somebody has to be willing again like we talked about in the last couple episodes to invest in you yeah. somebody has to want to has to see something in you that makes them want to give you the opportunity yep 
And you have to be hungry enough to go also and push forward and get it. And she talks about that. So again, and like she That's started, so she started interning like when she was like 17, 18 years mm-hmm. old. So, you know, it's not no overnight success the same mm-hmm. way it wouldn't be in advertising, you know, having a high school internship, a college internship, like it's going to take a lot of late nights, early mornings, mistakes and forgiveness to get you to. I guess the Angie Martinez level, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta write it down. I have to read it. Yeah, you should read it. I know. It's a good book. <laughs> okay. So we're gonna jump into our hot topic uh, for this week. And before we, before I get into the story about what it is, I wanna play you a clip. Now this clip touches on something that we've briefly touched on in the first two episodes um and i usually refer to it as the jwt master the jwt shit or whatever but it's we we basically talk about jwt and we didn't really give any context to what we were talking about and a lot of you may have heard about this story or you may have heard read about it um but Essentially, uh, it revolves around Gustavo Martinez, which who was the CEO of J. Walter Thompson, which is an advertising agency. And we're going to play this clip really quickly so you can um, get a preview of what of the story that I'm about to tell. Okay, I found such a different and strange characters in the elevator that yesterday night I was thinking I was going to be raped at the elevator. Uh, and not in a nice way, so I'm not surprised. So let's, let's enjoy the view, let's enjoy the sun. But clearly the hotel, the hotel is tricky, so check all your luggage, check all your stuff, because you don't know what will happen. So what you just heard was um, J. Walter Thompson's former CEO, Gustavo Martinez. And that was at a JWT agency event in Miami. Uh, that video, well, that audio was part of a video that was submitted as evidence for Aaron Johnson, who was the chief communications officer from JWT. Um, she filed the lawsuit against JWT, um, Gustavo Martinez, and WPP, which is JWT's holding company, because of remarks like that. Uh, she accused uh, Martinez of making multiple sexist comments, offensive remarks toward uh, African Americans and people of Jewish faith, unwanted touching, including grabbing her by the neck and throat. Mm-mm. Cool. So that's one story. Uh, I'm going to jump into another story, which is another lawsuit that was filed against um, Rap, which is a marketing company underneath uh, Omnicom. Hold on, let me just get the right. Okay. So the this lawsuit. Um, so give me a second. It's all going to come together. It's going to wrap up um so this lawsuit was filed against um the rap ceo alexei orlov don't know if i got that right probably doesn't really care because he's a bad guy Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so i want to talk about another story as well before we wrap up the hot topics because this is going to be the thing that stirs our discussion and this is another lawsuit that was filed against uh, Alexei Orlov, which is the Rap Global CEO, which is a marketing company underneath Omnicom. It's a direct marketing agency. I don't really know what they do. Um, but 
he was accused of discrimination, retaliation, and wrongful termination. I just want to go a little bit deeper into um, what that lawsuit accuses him of. He referred to multiple unnamed women as fat cows, told a Jewish employee he was unhappy because he was miserly with money. Hmm, interesting. Uh, pressured an employee working on Pfizer, <laughs> working on the Pfizer account to get him Viagra um, because he has a young wife. Hmm, also interesting. Uh, told Anderson, uh, which is the man who is accusing, which is who filed the lawsuit, he would not promote a female executive because she is too pretty and too pretty to be taken seriously. He defended and ultimately retained an executive who got drunk and told staffers in the L.A. office that he didn't think an unnamed female employee was wearing underwear. Told a meeting of 70 employees and others in Dallas that, and I quote, if you mess with me, if you, I'm sorry, let me back that up. If you mess with my brand or my direction, I will break off your finger and shove it up your ass. Yeah, man. Oh I, my you know not what? done. I'm not done. Let me finish. Let you me finish. What? Let me finish. I love it. He complained to Anderson, who is over 40, that he did not want his company filled with people in their 40s or 50s. And that, my friends, is our hot topic for the week. Um, these lawsuits that were filed against these agency heads, and it's also pretty interesting because last week our conversation was about who owns diversity and i think one of the points that we made was the ceos own diversity and you know these are ceos that are being um sued um that leads us to our question so that's our hot topic it's it's lawsuits on madison avenue and it leads us to our hot topic which is you know now that we we see things like this happening um we want to talk about how we address discriminatory issues in the workplace um and that's against us, whether we see it, whether it's directed toward us or we see it against someone else, how do we adjust this? Like, who do you run believable? I actually want to go like? back. No, I actually want to <laughs> go back and actually, like, I, I'm going to say something that does not necessarily, that may be interpreted negatively. And to play devil's advocate from the beginning so we can have a thorough conversation... How often do we say crazy shit? Like, if this person does X, Y, and Z, I swear I'm gonna X, Y, and Z. Right. Chop a head off, smack a person, throw hands, right. catch mm. hands, etc. I'm not saying he's right, he's 100% wrong, but the list of things that, that are coming up in this lawsuit that are ex extremely offensive Many of us, pause, I'll just let everybody let that sink in. Many of us have been accused of saying, like, yeah. I want to know who he said it to that he thought yeah. that the young woman wasn't wearing no drawers. That's what I want to so, know. Here, here, because, because was this like, are you saying it? Well, we know why. We We know that it was inappropriate, but like, who did you say that to that you felt comfortable that they weren't going to say that this is some BS and I'm about to take this all the way to the top to get your, to get you in trouble? I want to know who made you feel comfortable? Who made you feel comfortable? I mean, he's asking because the he's same not, question too. He's not the first person 
C whatever O assistant director of whatever SVP nothing to ask (laughs) to ask for freaking product from a client so if your client is Viagra okay and like and you're asking for product is it really pressuring so like he's wrong because you get it he totally sounds like a slime ball totally sounds like a jerk total jerk off like I could go on and on and on but I just want to know, like, who are you saying these things yeah. to that you feel so daggone comfortable? Well, because I think it's hilarious that he felt that he needed a little blue pill or 10 to help him with his young wife. Like, I get it. I get it. You can't keep up. You can't keep up your 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 persona if you don't have no young wife. I got you. Here's the thing. But, Here's the but thing. that's a good point. Sorry, Simco. So you, you, made, you made a question. Well, you asked a question, which who are you saying this to? He said these things to the guy who obviously is filing the lawsuit, which is Greg Anderson, who is a CEO. And for JWT, he said those things to Aaron Johnson, who was a chief communications officer, who's also a C-suite person. So it's it's interesting because you're saying, who are you saying these things to? And he's saying these things, these men are saying things to People who are technically his peers, they're his peers. That still don't but, answer but my question. Why you felt so comfortable yeah, with exactly. these folks? Because oh, it doesn't matter. I work with people that I would never say some things like some certain things too because it's just not our relationship. You're self-aware, and but also, that's, that is the point that I'm trying to make. Like also, this man is so unaware of his presence that he doesn't even recognize that these aren't your friends. This ain't funny to everybody. I mean, it's funny to me. Like if I overheard this on a train, I would bust out laughing, <laughs> and hopefully, I didn't have any soda or water in my mouth because it would go everywhere. Like technically, that's hilarious, and on and realistically, that's awful. Like you're Quite an awful shocking. person. Person. See, but the thing but is, the, you, when you're when you're in these positions, and um, even though this dude's name is Martinez, um, I'm going to go in the direction that he is of the Caucasian persuasion. Um, Who? Martinez? G- Gustavo Martinez. He's always not. Mm-mm. He's probably. No, he's not. First of all, his last name is Martinez. Let's start there. And it's Gustavo. Ain't nothing. No, he's more probably like Spain. I'm, a, I'm gonna shrink down into my chair because not Latin American. He's but Spain. he's from. I think he's from Latin America. Yes, is he? And we all know what oh. happens in Latin America when it comes to people oh. of your complexion oh. and people of his complexion. That's a deeper what are you conversation. Saying? What are you saying? I'm, I'm saying that he has privilege that is unchecked. Oh, I'm not saying that he doesn't have privileges that is unchecked, but I am saying that he's also not, I was just saying he's not Caucasian. He's not so Ca- he also, right. so again, to my point, you, sir, from Latin America, regardless if you are of, of a more so of European descent than you are from Indian descent than you are from African descent of Latin American uh, culture, you are also not privy to certain privileges that you may think that you are uh that yeah. you deserve okay. so so you feel so you feel like he's getting checked because no that's not what i'm saying i want to understand why he felt that comfortable yeah because that like you're you're not you're not who we're trying to say that you think you are like it's not he's we're not 
he's not he cannot I don't understand how he could possibly feel that's what I'm trying to say I don't understand how he could feel that comfortable around anybody to say those things out loud and feel like there would not be any repercussion not to say that other people don't perceive him that way but how could you Sir Martinez feel that way so there's two things because from your point like yes he felt comfortable amongst his peers which begs you another question like what are your peers saying because you know we have our office friends that we feel like we can vent to and that's one situation but the other situation is he's a ceo right so who's going to check him right who's gonna say who's gonna check me boo like who is gonna say something to him and and i think i said this on the last episode like when you have privilege well, you're talking um, about two sets of privilege. You're talking about your level, you know, right. that privilege, executive privilege, and then the privilege of not having, not not being aware. Right. So that's two double whammies. And when you, when you have that type of privilege and you've never been checked, your default is always going to be some crazy shit. I dare like, say that he has been checked in his past. You think he's been checked? Absolutely. 100%. Hundred percent. First of all, the man speaks with a total accent, so you automatically don't necessarily fit in with the status quo of power domination in this country. Mm-hmm. I dare say, I'm sure he hasn't been in this industry for like you no know, five years or nothing. Like he's been in this for decades. He's been doing this for decades. So I'm sure, at some point, he has also faced his own version of double consciousness, not not just being a man, but having to be a man of Latin descent. And then having to be a man of Latin descent that's definitely not born in this country. So you've essentially been socialized as if you were a step behind. Mm-hmm. Being checked is not just being checked from a person. Being checked is just being checked based on your experience. So I knowing what I know about this country that we live in and this industry that we work in, I can guarantee that at some point he has felt disenfranchised, less than, inferior, uh, uh, harassed, if you will, hmm. by somebody at some point. So do you I actually might, I would put money on that. And it'd be interesting to see as the dep- as depositions continue if he brings that up. I mean, so... Okay, so you think it's more of his position. No one's going to talk to him or tell him how he feels. Because it has. there's a certain sort of bravery to put in a lawsuit, right? Right. You're going to be ostracized not only by the people that you worked with, but the people that you were friends with. Because mm-hmm. no one wants to associate themselves with anything negative in this industry. Everybody tries to stay on everybody's, like, everybody, everybody tries to be as friendly or frenemies as possible. But the fact that he has the idea that he can say whatever he wants. I yes, I'm just asking. I'm I'm questioning where he got those balls from. Right. So let me let me back up. Let me pose a question to the room. I think I kind of asked it before. So there's obviously a theme here that discrimination is taking place in the workplace, and it's escalated to lawsuits. So I'm gonna ask you, Kai, have you ever experienced anything like this? At work, <laughs> don't on this spit spot. out your bear. <laughs> Wait, just yes or no? So, um, yes, yes. And then Karina, yes or no? I've heard it. 
I've been in I've been in a in a room with my higher up. You don't follow directions. He say yes or no. Oh yes. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I guess that that's that poses the the bigger question for this discussion, which is how have you addressed these issues in the workplace? Whether you've heard it, whether it's been directed toward you, how have you? handle the situation because neither one of you I don't think have filed a lawsuit because y'all are here in this room so like what how have you addressed things like this happening in the workplace it to me honestly I haven't been proud of myself the way that I handled the situation. I think, like most people, when it first happens, it's like you nervously laugh it off um, because you're just like, what What did that person just say? What? <laughs> um, depending, I've had it both ways. I've had it from a higher up in my agency, and I've heard rude things from a, one, my, a client. So... At the first time when it was from my from the higher up that worked I worked with, it was like everyone was like, "What just happened here?" They didn't know what to do, which is fair because what are you gonna say? Like, right. you know what I mean? And then the second time that it happened with a client, it was dead silence because we were all in a call, so we were like, you know, someone is going to take them to the side and talk to that person. So it's different, but Did I honestly. Huh? Did they take him to the side? I think so because the next time it was just like, you can just tell that someone got talked, spoken to. So, you know, because, you know, it's more corporate on the client mm-hmm. side. So, like, you can just tell, like, someone got talking to, like, you need to watch what you say, watch your words. But um, I honestly think it has to be the to, like, what degree what was said. If it's something like, just be, like, you can if it's just someone's ignorance like it was something ignorantly said then it's like okay that was really stupid to say but if it's something to like sexual harassment or something I think I would bring it up now only because I've been in past situations where I'm like I think I should have said something I think I should have let it be known that that wasn't okay to say in an office setting I have so many um I'll start by saying this. When you start to realize that you are being, that you are essentially under attack, not necessarily physically, and it's not necessarily overtly, and it's usually not going to be somebody pointing you out saying, you, black girl, hi, <laughs> you're getting like, it, don't, it usually doesn't no, come like that. Sorry. It's usually something that's so subtle and so slight that you go home at night and you have to recount to yourself mm-hmm. what happened because you want to double check that you're not overreacting. Mm-hmm. So I started interning really young. Um, at, at the time, it was a famed record label. I'll just say it like that. Um, and I use the word intern loosely because I, essentially I was on a street team. So it was no holds bar. There was no, I wasn't getting paid for nothing. It was all experience and just to be in the scene and, you know, how you much can you there. network yeah. at 15? But that was part of it, right? And at the time, you know, my cousin put me on. So, again, we are talking earlier about, you know, Angie Martinez and 
you know, you just got to be in the right place at the right time with the right people. Let them put you on. My cousin put me on, so I was street teaming with her. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll never forget, I think it was like my, maybe my first day, first or second day or something. So this is a summer job, so, you know, it's hot. And I sweat profusely. If anyone knows me, like, I don't stay dry. Like, I just mm-hmm. sweat from my head, my arms, <laughs> and my back. And I look like I went swimming. So I, at 15 years old, decided I wanted to wear a skirt. Uh-huh. And I had on a Dickies, so we know this is circa 2001, <laughs> 2002, summer 2002, a Dickies tank top and a mini jean skirt. And one of the men, now these dudes were much older, I guess they're like my age now, so like late 20s, okay. possibly early 30s. This dude was like, yo, can you pick up that box for me? <gasps> so I'm eager to want to help and want to be a part of the team and to be... You know, like, I want them to know that I can work just like everybody else. Yeah. So I'm trying to pick up the bag, and I realize my skirt is coming up. So at the same time, I'm trying to pick up, sorry, it's a box. Trying to pick up the box of uh, CD cases uh-huh. and trying to keep my skirt down. And I notice that these big grown men are essentially lined up watching me trying to pick oh up this God. box. This right? Is, oh, gross. And eventually, like, it dawned on me, like, oh, I can't do that. At 15, what are you going to say? Yeah. Nothing. I was like, oh, you know, I have trouble. Can you help me? But that was that was sexual harassment. Like, that was overt sexual harassment in retrospect. They, at another time, at a, another label later down, I was in college, mm-hmm. filling um, sample CDs is when they used to give you, like, snippet CDs. Mm-hmm. When you I remember can, that. You get the album. You get you get a song, cuts off Three the months. album before the album came out. You're aging yourself. Hey, no. I'm still under 30, and it's Millennial. totally fine. But, like, you know, snippet CDs, trying to stuff them. So I had to, I was trying to do this quickly, and all of the desks were taken up in the office. So I just stood on mm-hmm. my knees against the couch that was there so I could stuff the CDs. And one of the promotions guys walked in. He was like, oh, so you work well on your knees, huh? Oh, my goodness. I, I think I was like, I couldn't even drink it. So I was like 20, oh 19, God. turning 20. Again, what do you say? I'm just trying to, you know, get my way into this business, trying to do work and be seen as a peer, being seen as a hard worker. What do you say to that? You don't say nothing. And who do you talk to? Who do you talk to about those moments? Mm-hmm. So those, like, in moments of feeling like you have something to prove, it's easy to not say anything and to not stand up mm-hmm. for yourself. It's true. Years later, um, as I got into advertising, I started to realize people say things as bold mm-hmm. like that to your face, behind your back, in emails. And they will slight you. I've had people talk to me about drinking white wine as ghetto because I said I liked white wine better than red. I've been told things like, you know, well, when we saw your application and it had Latino on there, we were really confused when you walked in. Like, how the hell could she be Latin? People will really say all kinds of crazy things to you and really feel like it's okay. And there comes a point where you really just decide, what do you want? Do I not care? Mm-hmm. And do I go off? Mm-hmm. Or do I start to assert myself? And I think there came a point where I just felt like I needed to assert myself. So mm-hmm. my way of addressing moments like that was to, in that moment, address it and to be as assertive as possible. Mm-hmm. What are you trying to say? What yep. do you mean? And you can say, it with the, I feel like I... As, it might be crazy. This might be psychopathic, but I feel like if I say something with a smile, 
no matter how harsh it is, you're not gonna take it too as hard. You're not gonna take it too hard. Mm-hmm. That's like, true. That, like that's literally how I have learned to cope because you get so frustrated when you know that people are coming at you for things that you can't change. I can't or inappropriately change. like it. And 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 granted, being inappropriate is very relative. But you should. I feel like as adults, we should be able to read people. If you've said something that you've noticed makes people uncomfortable or has made somebody uncomfortable in the past, maybe you shouldn't say that again. Or if that doesn't do it for you, when I check you the first time, like, what do you mean? No, I didn't like that. Right. Hmm. No, you're like you have to. I feel like it's important to tell people when you don't like something. Mm. I think it's there's it's important to let people know you don't want to hear that again and you can do it in a nice way but my way of dealing with it now is much different than it was dealing with it 13 years ago before i would just let it slide now i hit it directly head on so i have three things so the first incident i don't mean to use the word incident um but your the first account when you were 15 were there any women around do you remember? There were women that worked there. They did not work on the promotions team. So at the time, like promotions back in the day was a very male-dominated part of the, of that part of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, there were no women in direct viewpoint to see. And I feel like it, when there were women in yeah. direct viewpoint, stuff like that didn't go down. Oh wow. So yeah. do, you, do you feel like they were your allies if they were around, or they just like... No, I feel like it was... When they were out of sight, people knew that they could get away with stuff. Uh, yeah. Like, there's one woman that I've I've actually seen her recently over the last couple of years, and she was very well respected, and she used to have her name in um all of the all of the rappers um thank you pages and stuff like that. She was very very well respected, and to my knowledge, from my experience, she did not get that kind of treatment. Mm-hmm. But we were young, we were all under 18, right. we were jail bait. That was exciting for them. And if you want to see, I mean, I guess it was cool to watch little girls' panties at that time. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. It's not, it's not really my thing. I don't know. And what's interesting is, um, you found your style of how to assert yourself. I think for me now, because I was in situations where, yes, like I like uncomfortably laugh, not uncomfortably try to brush it out, is because I didn't know, or I was, I didn't know how to assert myself in the situation to say, I'm not okay with that or that's not cool. And even now, I'm still trying to find my way to how to communicate, even to my own peers who aren't self-aware and they think, you know, we may be office friends, we may be like friends that like maybe Mm -hmm. really cool. And then it's like- It's hard. You get too comfortable and you say something inappropriate and it's like, how, how do I tell someone they may be on my team? How do I tell someone like, hey, um, I'm not okay with that? You know what I mean? So I'm trying to, me personally, I'm trying to navigate that. I think it's important. I mean, I don't know. I'm learning it too. My way of my way of dealing with it recently has just been to just, but that's my personality is to just say what I'm thinking, like. Yeah. This is how I feel right now, and you're going to know because if I let it sit, it can and possibly will blow up. Yeah, and it's saying that you're okay, or they can they reach another um, space of comfort. Right. And it's another thing. The last thing I want to mention is it's going to tie in because of what this CEO has been saying um, in this industry because 
we are told to be creative and to have um, we are trying to bring a different point of view. We're trying to be different. We're all trying to be different because that's what's exciting. You know, mm -hmm. if you are a, have a different point of view, if you're eccentric, it's really cool to be that person in this industry. And I feel like people try too hard to perpetuate that they're different or they are, they have a loud personality or they're, they're trying to do so much that they go too far. I've seen that happen, where it's like, that's not your personality, but they think, oh, if I'm this eccentric person, then I can be this cool person at the agency. Yeah. Which is probably what he, well, he's probably a dickhead, but... It, <laughs> licking, I feel like those lick, are dickhead characteristics. Lick, yeah, though, looking, right? looking at yes. that video, like, it's, it seemed like he was trying to... Be funny, he was trying to get a laugh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, and like, get a laugh, and it just fell flat because it wasn't funny, and it was sexist. But that's the thing, I didn't catch that it fell flat in the video. There were... People laughing, which is why I was like, there were, stop. I know, there were, there were people laughing. There were a you, lot of people laughing. But you know, people laugh out of fear, and they laugh out of feeling Sure, but you can't get or... that, but that's what I'm saying, like, how, how do you, how do you decide that? How do I decide that? Like, you know, they were laughing, period. Were laughing. You know? But what about you? Me? Yeah. <laughs> the man um, in the room. <laughs> I think, I think for me, because, um, and I was just like sitting here thinking about this. When I started working in media, there were a lot of racist comments that I heard. Um, and for, and it was funny because you were talking about how do you adjust this because you're, you're worried about the repercussions of adjusting the situation. I think when I was younger, like 21, 22, and these situations happened, I was definitely worried about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how it was going to be perceived or re retaliated mm -hmm. um, against because I worked in an office where there were no other black men. Mm -hmm. And the woman who hired me, who she was a Dominican woman, she used to tell me all the time, like, oh, I'm even surprised that you're still here. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Like, nobody really ever lasted um, very long there. Wow. But there were things that I heard, like, so this is around, like, Obama going into the White House. I remember the, the day after he was elected, I re remember hearing the vice president, because I used to sit outside of his office. He said to another dude, uh, I guess they're going to have to plant uh, banana trees on the White House lawn because there's the monkey in the White House now. Are you serious right now? Oh, yeah, people are both. Where do you think the comment section comes I'm, from? I'm not done. Um, <laughs> there was another moment where um, I was sitting in front of this uh, woman's office, and uh, this Jewish woman, and she was talking to a friend of hers who was um, adopting a black baby. And she was like, oh, you're going to have a little nappy-headed baby now. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> there was another... Wait, what did that mom do when she heard that? She was just on the phone. There, there was laughter. There was laughter after it happened. So I don't think she was checked. Um, I mean, and just in general, like, there was just no room for growth as a person of color. Like, there was, there was nobody that I could look to and be like, you know what? That's somebody who looks like me, whatever. And actually, there was a dude who 
was there was a black dude who was like uh, EVP or something, but he had a perm and his hair was slicked back. Mm, and I just okay. <laughs> I mean, to your point, you also went to Nan, so apparently you have an affinity for men with perms and slicked back hairstyles. <laughs> You went to um, Al Sharpton and them, right? With your lawsuit? You don't mind. You don't mind. But I mean, like, oh. at, at that point when, when those things were happening, um, I was being really practical. Like, this is like mm-hmm. the middle of the recession. Um, pretty much everybody that I knew lost their jobs right. because they look like me and usually we're the first to go. Um, mm. So I was being practical. I was like, well, if if I do this, if I, you know, approach them and say, well, you know, I was offended by what you said, you know, what my supervisor told me, which is like, I'm surprised that you're even still here, <laughs> was at the front of my mind. So it, there were definitely like practical um, mm-hmm. thoughts running through my head, which is like, all right, cool. If I say something, I'm probably going to get fired. But I will say toward the end of my tenure there where I was already in like a mindset of like, all right, cool, whatever, I'm trying to switch industries, like I'm good, I wanna get out of here. I did call up Al Sharpton <laughs> because <laughs> there was, you know, for, for me, it's, it's always been about, and it's probably because I come from a bigger family and it's like, I'm one of six kids. Uh-huh. I was never that important. I'm also the middle child, so Come on, I, <laughs> I, I look. I look at the situation. I go, well, is it just me? Like, mm-hmm. because yeah. if it's just me, then I'm probably like, well, I'm just complaining. Like, maybe, maybe I'm acting like a spoiled brat. But there were patterns, and so mm-hmm. I did call up Al Sharpton. Like, yo, like that's what they're there for. The Urban League and people like um, the Rainbow Action Network. They're there for those moments when, because... Where you need support. You need an ally. You need yeah. support. And you don't necessarily feel like you can go to HR because HR works for your boss. <laughs> like, so I, I do remember, like, calling them up and being like, yo, like, this is a situation. And, like, laying out, you know, nappy-headed babies and monkeys and White House lawns and things like that. And like, people I, get so creative. But the thing is, like, sure that that lady that hired you, you said, right. she knew that there was an ongoing problem, and it was. I'm I'm gonna put it on the spot. Like, if you know that there's an ongoing problem, and you know that this isn't the first time, and you know that you're hiring someone mm-hmm. who is going to essentially go into this line of fire. Mm-hmm. You should be taking up more of a responsibility. No, 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 no. To that point, so there's there's a lot of different ways you can look at that, and one of them is different generation. Mm-hmm. Like our parents' generation, and I, and I'll just speak for my parents, because um, I know they ain't gonna be listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're extremely practical, okay. like, and in, in their reasoning for the way that they approach things at work. Okay. I'll give you a prime example. My name is Simeon. Um, my mother is like, my parents were like, no one gets to call you Sim. Like, you don't have a nickname. Like, we named you this. This is your name. Like, you're Simeon, right? I go and I visit my father at work. His name is Oyudeli. Okay. They call him Manny. His middle name is Emmanuel. 
they want to call him Manny. And I remember saying to him, well, why are they calling you... Manny. Manny. Why are they nicknaming you? Why, why, why who you, is this man? <laughs> why, why, do you, why, do you, why do you have a nickname here? What did you say? And his response was, well, Oedeli was too hard for them to pronounce. I mean, the reality is, no, no. And I, I, I understand what you're saying, but the reality of the situation is for a long time, people weren't even getting these jobs. Right. Mm-hmm. People that looked like us weren't even right. getting these jobs. So there is, and especially a generation or so ago, mm-hmm. just grateful for the opportunity to get a check, to be able to provide for our families, to be able to say that I've been here, to get your Mm -hmm. pension so you can retire. People Mm -hmm. weren't necessarily going to work because they love their career. Right. So to say, like, if she would have known that it was hard, it was hard. It's hard everywhere. No, but... She gave you... Like, at the the end of the day, she gave you the opportunity. Okay. She gave you the opportunity. She... She didn't know if you were going to be able to hold it down or not, but she knew that you that you needed a job. Mm-hmm. She knew that you wanted this one, and she knew that she could help facilitate that. We can't necessarily blame people for putting us in situations, especially when we ask to be there. The real thing is, now that we've had a couple generations of being able to work not just have a job or to be grateful to receive a paycheck. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Oh my God, we're so grateful. Thank you for making me be able to pay my rent. You're so good to me. Now that we know that we deserve more than just a check and that we also deserve respect with it, Word. it becomes our job to say, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know you tried that with such and such that's been here for 15 years, but for the two years that I've been here, let me tell you what you're not going to do. Not that today. becomes our job, not theirs. Mm-hmm. They they pushed through ceilings that we couldn't get through, mm-hmm. and they showed the gracefulness to be able to weather the storms the way they did. We actually just go ahead and create our own storms. There's just a better way to do it. Right. Okay. Which I think, I guess, for the next piece of the topic. Right. And, and, and I think for me, like, part of looking back at that, because, you know, now I can look back and analyze how I was feeling, where I was self-aware. I didn't feel like I was... I was internalizing how I was being treated okay. and not feeling like I was bringing enough to the table. Because mm-hmm. so that's then, what you will be told. Right. So then you fast forward to advertising where it's like, which is the reason why I got into advertising, which is this is my copy. I wrote this. This is what I bring to the table. This is my insight. When things started happening in advertising, my approach was completely different. Got it. It was... Nah, bro, you can't say X, Y, and Z in the deck because that's racist. Mm-hmm. And then you basically say that mm-hmm. and you give it to them exactly how you feel because that's how you feel. You're, because now I'm at the point where I say, well, I, like to Kai's point where I don't just need the check. I need respect. Like yeah, I right. don't want to come to work and feel like... <laughs> Maybe you that's just, the switch. Like, yeah, you're just like, here. Like, like you're just there, but your token. There's also it's it's beyond a token. Like, and I think you see it in people's faces when they get off the train and they're just like, God damn. Here we go again. Here we go again. Okay. When when you get to the point where you're like, nah, I right. actually want to go to work. I want to be productive. I want to produce and I'm going to contribute to the. You are invested, and that right. is the difference yeah. between having your 
and I don't mean this in a negative way, but having your hand out because you need something from it and being in a position position to contribute to it because mm-hmm. you are not only a powerful thought leader, but you are just as creative and just as strong with your work ethic and your knowledge. Like we're also a lot more educated mm-hmm. than our parents were at the time. And we right. also have a lot, we have access to the same a pool of information at the same split second of a time than any other counterpart than any of our counterparts so there's while there are social disadvantages yep. knowledge lack mm-hmm. of knowledge is not one lack of need for respect is not one mm-hmm. and therefore we play this game a lot differently right. okay. when my mother and my mother and my aunt came to bring your uh bring your mom to work day at my job and like them seeing how Best story ever, right? The thing I posted the other day. It was like, so what do you do? Okay, well, you know, as a producer, I oversee workflow, resources, and revenue, and process. And they were like, wait, revenue? Like money? And I was like, you know, yeah. And they were like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, like money. Like, you got to count? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And they looked at each other like, but you're not even good at math. Now, to their Ouch, point, <laughs> I could not get through math to save my life from my entire life. Uh-huh. But the reality is that I still have access to the same resources to get me to the answers I need to get to to be able to carry out my duties. Uh So I don't feel less than. It doesn't matter that I couldn't pass algebra. It doesn't matter that my teacher felt bad for me because I cried during the final and he said, let's just pretend this never happened and gave me the C so I could get out of there. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. All that matters is that I want this enough Mm -hmm. and I demand as much respect and that is when you start to ask for the respect. That is when people start to speak to you crazy you let them know you don't, you know, like, yeah. who are you talking to? Like, yeah. these are real questions that, like, my mother would never ask it. Who are you speaking to? Yeah. You know? So when when you feel these gripes, when you feel like you're, you've been offended or you feel like someone else has been offended, um, who's the first person? Do you go to HR? Do you go to your, you're shaking your head, so... Um, <laughs> Like, like, what do you, what do you do? Where do you? Who do I run to? Yeah, who do you run? I was doing the same song. Um. Okay. I usually, thank God, at the time somebody was there that looked like me. I went to an older woman who's been who was there for many years that looked like me, and I asked. Am I losing? Am I overreacting? So you didn't go to HR. Oh, no, HR is is the very last option in my opinion. Why? Because HR is there for the betterment of the agency, not my personal betterment. Hmm. It's important. It's like a. It's like a. It's like a seventy-five twenty-five. Twenty-five percent my happiness. Seventy-five better for what is best for my team and in agency. That's how I view HR. Is that how you view HR, Kai? Mm. I mean, um, well, first of all, I think there, I think there is value in following um, like a chain of command. That's not the word I'm looking protocol. for, but protocol. I think there's value in that because I think it's important to give people the benefit of the doubt that maybe they were were having an, a moment of ignorance that they didn't know that they were offending you or making you feel away. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't always really believe that, but I at least, you know, followed my protocol and gave you, which also gives you the benefit of the doubt. I think in my experience, in my past experiences, not where I'm at currently, but in my past experiences, HR has not been helpful. Um, <laughs> I think, and I think your point about HR being for the company came out of our discussion when I said like, they are there to make sure that the, the 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 agency or the company as a whole is following their guidelines that they have executed on their behalf to make sure that they run smoothly and efficiently. Mm-hmm. What has happened to me in the past is that it has backfired. Mm. When you go to HR, you make a complaint, which also adds to the feeling of, damn, maybe it is just me. Maybe I am just bitching too much. Maybe I do need to work harder. Maybe I'm just taking this personally. Maybe I should try to understand other people more, right? Um, But in the words of my uncle, what you saw is what you saw. Mm. (laughs) Now, now, this, this, no, no, no. Let me finish. This is why... When you look at people that seem crazy on the train, you just got to let them live their moment because whatever it is that they are seeing, they are seeing. Like, it is real to them in that moment. So I, my my first go-to is not HR because you go to HR to document. You go to HR for a paper trail. You go to HR so that when they go to their little folder and they got to compare notes about who was complaining about who first because that's how it really goes down. Yep. Just know when you're going to HR, you're not the only one. The yep. other people that you're going to HR on are also going to HR and documenting. So you're going there. I feel like you're going there to build a paper trail. You're going there to escalate the situation. Right. And once you get to the point of escalation, there's no telling how that will end on your behalf. Right. Yeah. I think the first person that you should go to is that person, quite frankly. I mean, yes, you go to your friends, you go to your peers, like, to double-check yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, yo, am I crazy? Did I make this up? And then they tell you yes or no. And then with that information, you go to that person. Like, because the worst, and it's happened to me before, the worst is to hear, is to have all these pent-up frustrations and you don't go to that person to at least have the conversation once. And then they say, well, you, you didn't even take the time to try to work it out. You didn't try to mediate it for yourself. That is true. You have to try to mediate your own situations. Or, yeah, mediate. Mitigate your own situations. I, I think you have to have a you. plan. You Did you go plan. to HR when we worked together? Yes, you I told, told you. you told I don't. <laughs> no, we're, no we're, we're, we're having a. Oh, no, we're having a moment. <laughs> yes, she's the one that made me reconsider my whole life about HR. So. And we'll just this, keep she anonymous, but yes. Well, I, I don't. Well. I would like to talk about she. I don't want to say her name. She oh, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say her name. She shall not be named. She's actually. <laughs> Did she also like, make you rethink your life about HR? No, nah, she just made me. She, she actually reinforced how I approach HR oh. going forward, which is, I'm coming to you with. With things that are going to make you feel like I'm about to sue you, even though I'm not. Um, mm. Because I didn't know that at that point. She, because you're 35 I, I, and stuff, and I was so like, so back, 20, back, uh, and I'll just give the background story, which is, at this agency that Kai and I were at once upon a time. Um, this must have been so much easier before there was LinkedIn. But continue. <laughs> <laughs> so there were, I guess I had like similar, um, whatever. But there were situations like being in meetings and. 
you know, the default target was named like Shaniqua and Laquana or whatever. And um, just just unequal treatment. And I remember going into HR and saying, well, you know, this happened and that happened. And I feel like this is wrong, you know, like, and it's wrong because of this reason and it's it's legit. And I already approached this person and I said X, Y, and Z. And I remember HR woman looking at me and going, well, maybe this isn't the place for you. Right. That was, that was literally... <laughs> The, I, it was a very similar experience and where it was like, well, why didn't you say something to the per Like, at the end of the day, it came down to it being my fault. And that also changed my, that also changed how I approached escalating situations. Right. You got to start with trying to fix it yourself. Because not just, not just for your company or agency, but as a person, as a professional, you should you should want to be able to get yourself through your challenges. Yeah. And but, if that don't work, then you take it to the next step. And if that don't work, then you take it to uh, HR. But if, if the, thing, the thing that I took away from that HR experience was that... They like to blame people over there. But, but not even just that. was that my feelings or opinion or the facts that I presented did not matter. Right. Exactly. And it was... Yeah, but you could be a little bit more friendly. And I was like, well, what, what are you talking about? Maybe it's because like, you didn't smile enough. Yeah, but, bro, like, but <laughs> you were in a brainstorm. I don't know what that has to do with, okay, like, all right, my bad. I'm going to smile more. I don't know. That's why I smile when I when I say serious stuff to people now. Like, No, I think I think one of the the main points I was making was like, I remember I said, I said to her, like, um, these people that I work with, like, I, I expect them to have, like, common decency. Like, I get onto the elevator and I say, good morning. <laughs> and people respond back people with, respond, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> and I'm like... No one was following the script. No one was following the script. So it's like, you go into HR and you're like, well, you want me to, like, bounce around the office and be, like, the... Social Kevin Hart, like this, the you know the social uh, butterfly, <laughs> and these are the people who can't even say respond with a good morning. So like, how do I approach that situation? Mm -hmm. And her response was, well, maybe this isn't the place for you. Ooh. And I will tell you that, granted, she was right. That's Is just not. She, though? Was that the place for you? Well, yeah. <laughs> so granted, give her her Go ahead, go ahead and give um, go ahead and give her her props. But at the end of the day, like I remember while I was there at said agency, and I was having a tough time, like, and granted, you know, I was new to like mm -hmm. the industry, but having a tough time like corralling my uh, teams together. And the and I'm putting this in air quotes to be petty and shady. <laughs> the senior project manager at the time literally told me that the best way to do this was to. He was like, you know, sometimes I just go over and I bounce around and you know listen to people's conversation. You know, just jump up and down. Like this dude was like three foot five and like <laughs> he was really short and like you know it's. I truly believe like it's cuter when. You know, short people do things like that. Short people can do stuff that, like, average height people can't do. I, you know, at the time I had my natural hair out. I had my natural hair. I am not three foot five. And, you know, 
my body makeup is a lot different than you and I'm a black girl. I'm not bouncing up and down, jogging around the floor of the agency to get people to find, you know, to want to share their business with. I don't right. have to quite frankly shuck and jive for anyone's attention and that's how that felt so when she said that to you i laughed because he told me that you know sometimes you just kind of <laughs> jump around you know like, like people find it's funny like it's that's no that's not how you handle things which right. is why i don't not trust hr i do trust hr i trust hr to do their job right i trust hr to set up the situation for what it is mm -hmm. and to be honest and sometimes that honesty is not for my, my benefit at all. Hmm. To be honest. When you say not for your benefit, what do you mean? It's not for my benefit. Like, if somebody is telling you that this is the culture of the agency, that you have to be phony, maybe you're right. No matter how much I really wanted to make it here and like show that I'm equally as valuable as anyone else here, maybe you're absolutely right. It doesn't make you, it doesn't make it wrong. And quite frankly, to take it back to like the JWT scenario and any of these sexual, any of these harassment scenarios, like that is a part of the culture that that is a part of the culture that no one has checked. It, it, I don't think it's that he wasn't checked. Mm -hmm. I think it is a part of the culture that wasn't checked because why else would anyone find it okay to talk about somebody's draws, getting their you know their erectile dysfunction, right. <laughs> you know, to talk about getting uh, sexually violated within an elevator because the place looks sketchy. Why else would you think that's okay to say that in front of the masses, not just in your office, like mm -hmm. in front of the masses, right. because that is a part of your culture that no one has checked. And again, that is an HR issue because I'm sure that whoever reported those things, Aaron, Aaron, mm -hmm. I'm sure she's not the first, but she's definitely the one that took it further and escalated it. Mm -hmm. They knew mm -hmm. these things. They've yeah. documented them. And the culture was, well, this is funny. So maybe this isn't the place for you. Mm. Yeah, you just reminded me because I now I just had like a real strong flashback to that situation, and I remember she was like, "Hey, you need to you need to be a little bit more gregarious." But but I, I remember saying to her, and she said, "Well, you know, maybe this isn't the place for you." And I said, "Well, how is that inclusive? Like, oh. if if you're saying that, you know, I need to." do X, Y, and Z, but I can look over at uh, Billy or Tommy and they get to be as emo as they want to be. They get to walk in and, and have an attitude and seem sad and, mm -hmm. you know, no one says that they have to be gregarious yep. and bounce around at people's desks, you know. That man told me to bounce around. I can't. Yeah, like, that's, that's, that's you know. That's so, what about solutions? How? What are some next steps? What are ways that we can approach articulating your frustrations with culture better when you can when you feel discriminated against or you feel that there is a prejudice or you feel like you are being violated like how can you solve for this or take steps to solve for it from and i even dare say for definitely from our perspective but like how would we want hr or our superiors to to take a next step to help take a service. us I, I feel like, and I'm, um, the last time that I've had this conversation at an agency 
was probably was the most effective. And looking back at the situation, I actually bounced before things really, I guess, did a U-turn. But looking back at that situation and going in with facts, mm-hmm. going in with patterns, um, going in with reinforcements, because I didn't just go in there by myself. I went in with uh, two other people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That was probably the most effective approach ever in the history of me working over the last 11 years and having gripes or feeling disenfranchised or whatever because I remember like sitting there and and saying, well, here are the optics. Like, this is what it looks like. It looks like this is happening and asking the right questions and them not having the answers for the questions because we know what's going on like there's a reason why we're sitting here in this mm-hmm. podcast yeah. um, there's a reason why there are DNI initiatives there's a reason why there are CDOs um, and asking the right questions because the right questions escalated mm-hmm. one meeting to another meeting all to another meeting all of a sudden people started inquiring and asking for follow up meetings um and even now that I'm not there at that agency, the people who are there, um, they're still having follow-up meetings about something that I said X moons ago. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you go in and you just don't make it about yourself because the reality of the situation is if it's happening mm-hmm. to you, it's happening to someone else. True. Or um, you can you have to fig- you have to figure out a way to make it about the bigger picture and the bigger picture is all of these agencies they claim or they say or they they have initiatives in place where they're talking about DNI, they're talking about fixing these problems that have been going on for ages. And when you go in not just making it making it about yourself, but making, making it about, it about, uh, the, team, about yeah. the team, about yeah. the progression of the agency, I think you get more honey out of this well you get more bees whatever um honey with bees. <laughs> right like like it, it works more in your favor when right. you're looking at it from a team standpoint where it's like it's not just about me because and and i think that was why you were so effective right why i was so effective because i remember saying i was like well if it's just about me then like yo tell me like actually i would prefer that you tell me that i suck and tell me where i suck and tell me how i suck so that i can make where I suck better. But you can't tell me that all these people who mm-hmm. look like me, who have similar experiences to me, suck. Mm-hmm. You can't. Because if that's... that's or if reality. you can, then that becomes that becomes a, a, a thing that you as an agency and your, your talent building and your talent right. development needs to address yeah. like right. let's really get to the core of the situation because right. yep. if it yeah if you can sh- if you can show the pattern you are going in the right direction yeah. toward yeah. like fixing because it's a pattern uh-huh. i think you need to have a plan before you go to hr i know sometimes when we're very junior um you have the idea that hr is like calling nine one one. When there's an issue but the reality is and I don't think a lot of people um, talk about it that when you go there it's to it's a there's a reason why you're going there like you were saying before Kai like there's you go there with a paper trail like you're going there that's your most effective step 
I believe. So like you need to have a plan. And I think what's so important, like with just diversity and inclusion, I think what helped me in my awkward moments is having that person that I could go to. And especially because at the time I was very junior. So it was like that person could tell me, you know, maybe you should just go and tell them, you know, address it. If you're going by yourself, it can be very daunting because you don't mm -hmm. know what to do next. So I would say if you're in that situation, think it through, talk to someone, have have a plan because right. you're ta you want to have steps, effective steps. Right. Yeah, I think the smartest thing, also not to make this all about me, but um, <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I started having meetings, I think the smartest thing I did was go in with an agenda and yeah. email that agenda about a week before that first meeting mm -hmm. where it was very clear what I was going in to talk about. And when I sat down, she was like, oh, I'm really glad you sent that agenda because they don't like to be caught off guard. Like, this is HR. Like, they, they want yeah. to be prepared. And she didn't have answers when we had that meeting, but she was able to, like, start talking about taking – next steps well you need to talk to this person which, which i really didn't appreciate anyway but well you need to talk to this person or you need to talk to that person or this is what i'm going to do in the situation when you have a, an agenda or a plan and you actually write it out because when you write it out you're also able to see like if you're saying something bullshit like if like yeah if you're self-aware like you'd be able to point at you know what this actually isn't as important as i thought it was and you can see the pattern. Right. Yeah. I'm going to answer, but I also, I, I think it's really important that we also comment, like, what we want to see from HR and people up top in response to, like, what are next steps they can take right. to make the situation uh, or to, to make when we bring comments up that we feel like they're being addressed. But I would say... I would say a next step, um, besides having an ally, besides having a plan, is to also make sure that don't second guess yourself. Like the don't second guess yourself and to go into these conversations with an open mind. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. If, you're, if, if you completely made the situation up in your head, that's fine. Um, but at least at that point, if you are wrong, you're getting confirmation that you're wrong. Right. So you're not sitting at your desk. You're not walking, pacing back and forth with your chest hurting, with getting migraines, getting frustrated. You have confirmation. Um, go in and really be as honest and as forthright as you can. I'm not saying that one should be rude or belligerent, but I am saying that if there is an issue, you should be able to articulate it in the most calm way possible, even as even if you are angry, because all you want to do is put forth facts as you know them. Mm -hmm. So if Johnny said something that you felt was aggressive, this happened on this day, Johnny said it, I didn't like it. This made me, it made me feel X. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm taking notes. I think it's also important to, I say, go in with an open mind because you may not get the answer you like. <laughs> you may get an answer you didn't expect. 
you also could get an answer that you want. Right. Yeah. And my, me saying getting an answer that you don't like, I'm, I mean, like, somebody could tell you, maybe this isn't for you. Right. Mm. Which doesn't actually address the issue. It doesn't address the problem. But it is an answer you don't like. Having a plan, having an ally, being open-minded that this could or could not go the way you want it to. Everybody doesn't follow the script in your head. And to be aware enough to be honest with yourself about what the issue is. Everything doesn't need to be escalated. Um, And also make sure that you try to address the situation yourself in the least aggressive way possible. If that means a smiley face at the end of your email. (laughs) If that means that you, you know, you... I wouldn't suggest jumping around, hopping around and acting like a fool to get people's attention and to catch people off guard. But whatever it is that you have to do to address the situation first, make sure you do that. Um, I would say from a seniority perspective, what I, the things that like I want to see when I address situations um, to a supervisor or to HR is I want you to be willing to have the conversation. Right. You okay. should be... You should be whether or not I'm ta- I, I sound crazy or I'm, I'm bringing up something that you have not witnessed yourself, I just want your ear and I want your perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have to agree with it, but I want your honest perspective as a human, not as just the person that sits behind the desk, calculates my business, my, my benefits, my, pay- my payroll, and gives me you know make sure i get my raise every week like listen to me as a human and let's just talk as people because at some point i'd like to believe you were in my position at some point whether it's the same experience or not you sat in my seat and you wanted somebody to hear you out so that you at least know what your next step needed to be for yourself and your profession i, agree. I think you made a, made a good point which, which is basically just you want hr to be present um, I want people to. You, I want yeah, you people want, to be present. Yeah, exactly. you want them to be present. And I feel like that's if 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 I have my say in what I would want to see them do, which is don't shrug it off. And I feel like a lot of times HR and they may have they may do to see how serious you are about the situation right there, where they they kind of shrug it off on someone else and they say, well, you should go and talk to X, Y, and Z, whatever. Hmm. I feel like they should become the bridge for whatever that solution is don't just go tell me to talk to my supervisor again because if i felt like that person was going to be effective i would have followed up with that person to make sure that they would be effective i'm talking to you because i feel like they're not going to be effective and so if you feel like they're going to be effective you should be the bridge for the solution and just don't shrug it off on someone else like actually what does hr stand for human, human resources, resources. Yeah, be a resource i mean i i guess just to close i think you know we should i'm glad this situation is happening and we're addressing it um publicly and i think now this is standing out in hr teams and mm-hmm. they're gonna have to find hopefully find ways to say this might happen at our agency we need to know how we're going to handle the situation and how to handle um, when people have complaints especially with junior hr teams probably with a cdo well you know now we just said the purpose of cdo and now how it's going to help the hr team cool and also i just think think as we're closing 
Kai said something which I think is very important to this podcast in general, which is this is this is our point of view. Right. And we may be wrong. <laughs> we may like HR may take what we're saying in a in a complete different way than the way that we're saying it. But also this is supposed to be a dialogue. Like we're we're putting our perspective out there because we want HR, we want CEOs, we want the C-suite people to respond to what we're saying right. so that we can actually create tangible solutions going forward that can be used across the agency, yeah. across the industry. I mean, at the end of the day, like my perspective on all of this is that we might be right, we might be wrong, but we're really honest. I mean, this is our experience as we've had it. This doesn't necessarily mean 10 years from now. I might not say the same thing, but in the seat that I am in right now, that we are in right now, right. this is like true, like word is bond in this moment. Right. This yeah. is as true as it gets. And it, I mean, take it or leave it. So we want to hear your comments. We want to hear your opinions, your feedback. Um, you can always email us at askmixedcompany at gmail.com. Um, we're on Instagram. We're on our um, Facebook page. You look us up on Moffa New York. And we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>